The Gospel reading comes from the ninth chapter of Mark. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on on the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be the first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of God for the people of the God. Thanks Thanks be to be to God. One of my very favorite stories comes from my very dear friend and colleague, Reverend Danny Burnett. Danny knew a pastor who had just started his first appointment at a church in a little Texas town when he got a call from the local funeral director asking if he would officiate the funeral of a man who had no church home. So the pastor said, okay, no problem, did that. Day of the funeral came, everything went fine until the pastor looked out over this very small group gathered in the funeral chapel and said, you know, before we go, is there anyone here who would like to stand up and just say a few words about Frank? Frank was the name of the deceased. Now, friends, I'm going to let you in on a clergy secret, something that most of us learn when we're young pastors and sometimes the hard way. You never, ever, ever stand up at a funeral and ask if someone would like to say a few words about the deceased unless you have checked ahead of time and made sure that someone's going to answer that call. Because if they don't, it is very, very awkward. And that is exactly what happened in this circumstance. The pastor hadn't checked ahead of time and no one stood up to talk about Frank. And the pastor didn't know it, but you see, Frank wasn't a very popular person in that town. He was a me-first sort of guy, if you know what I mean. Uh, Sometimes sort of mean as he elbowed his way to the front. He was a prosperous business owner and uh, sort of self-important, tended to be condescending. Word on the street was you'd never ask Frank to do anything unless there was something in it for him, otherwise he wasn't going to lift a finger. And he treated his family that way too. So it really wasn't that surprising when no one stood up to talk about Frank. Well, the pastor stood there and stood there and stood there for what felt like an eternity, and he began to sweat in his robe, and he was wondering how he could possibly smooth things over and end this funeral when, thank goodness, a great big cowboy stood up in the back of the funeral home chapel. And the pastor thought, I am saved. Someone is going to say something about this man. He said, yes, you'd like to say something? And the cowboy said, well, seeing as nobody's going to say anything about Frank, I'd just like to say a little something about Texas. And then he spent the next two or three minutes talking about the wonders of the Lone Star State before he sat down. Now, poor Frank, right? 
But before we judge him too harshly, let's admit that it's hard for all of us to resist the siren song of self-importance because our culture teaches us that to be really great means that you are, have a high social status. You know, you've achieved something, you're wealthy, somehow you're sort of on the top of the heap. Many of us are, are taught not only that we've got to be number one, but we've got to look out for number one, that our life's motto should be me first. But when we think about it, deep down, don't we know that a life spent focused on our own self-importance is not great at all? And instead, that's a path to most likely a lonely and very empty life. Well, on this 4th of July weekend, when we give thanks for our country and the freedoms that we know here, friends, I also think it's very appropriate for us to take a moment to remember that as Christian people, we are not called to be a nation of Franks, but a nation of servants. That one of the things that makes our country truly great is our collective commitment to the common good. Our belief that, that all people are entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and, and we are willing to sacrifice, to try our very best to make sure that everyone can enjoy those things. That's what makes this country really great. And, and I think that Jesus sort of rams home this lesson about true greatness in our text this morning. Now, he's just caught the disciples arguing amongst themselves about who's at the top of the heap and who will get the greatest reward when they get to heaven. Friends, can't you see Jesus just shaking his head? Sometimes I, I really do think that the disciples gave our Lord a migraine. After all, he's the living embodiment of servanthood, and here they are saying they're his followers and arguing amongst themselves about who is the greatest of all. And Jesus says to them, good grief, guys, come on. You've got to redefine your understanding of greatness. You've got to let go of your obsession with your own personal status. The one who would be first must be last and servant of all, he says. And then, just to make sure that they understood his point, he illustrates it by pulling a little child up onto his lap. And then he instructs the disciples to welcome, to serve people like that little child, the most powerless and insignificant in society. He says, when you welcome one like this, you welcome me, and indeed you, you welcome the one who sent me, which is God the Father himself. Friends, on this one, I think that Jesus is crystal clear. True greatness is, is not about social status. It's not about wealth. It's certainly not about self-importance. It's not about hanging around with important people. No, true greatness is about having a servant's heart. And you know, this is a very important lesson for all of us to remember, certainly us adults, as we're called to live out servanthood in the world, but I also want to lift up today the importance of teaching this lesson to our precious children. I'm very passionate about this, friends, because our children so easily absorb what the culture teaches them. And, and as I said, they, that they, they learn from the, from the culture that the greatness is, is linked to social status, maybe to fame, you know? 
I have a, a really dear friend who for many years was a, a third grade elementary school teacher. And every year, she taught a unit on American heroes. One year, as part of that unit, she asked the children in her class to draw a picture of one of their heroes that then they would put up in the classroom for open house for all the parents to see. And I'll never forget how disturbed my friend was when she went through that stack of drawings and she told me that the overwhelming majority of the children in her classroom had drawn pictures of pop singers and professional athletes. Now, pop singers and professional athletes can be heroes, I, I suppose, of one kind or another. But, you know, my friend was so concerned that maybe her teaching really didn't hit home because she, she said she felt like the kids had gone through a, an issue of People magazine to pick out their hero. And friends, can't we do better for our children than that? Don't we have the responsibility as the church to lift up people as truly great who have a servant's heart? There are so many people that we can lift up to our kids. Think of the men and women who have served in our military who have given their lives in some instances for our freedom. Think about doctors and nurses and, and first responders who right now are putting their lives on the line all the time to save the lives of people in our country, often with very little fanfare, very little recognition. And of course, there are people who have given away personal fortunes for the common good to establish hospitals and libraries and schools. And many times they've done that anonymously. And then there are ordinary people like you and me, brothers and sisters in Christ, people who have given so generously of their time, their, their talents, their resources, not for recognition, but because they're followers of Jesus. And they really want to help others in the name of Christ. On this Fourth of July weekend, friends, I think it's good to remember that People Magazine, well, it's mindless entertainment while you're waiting for the dentist, but it's really not meant to be an encyclopedia of heroes. Perhaps we might take some time to share stories with our children, with our youth, about men and women who are truly great, American heroes, because they have a servant's heart. And one of the things I love about the 4th of July is the music. I'm a big fan of patriotic music, and I'm a big fan of uh, John Philip Sousa. He's one of my absolute favorites. But of all the hymns we sing around this time of year, uh, my very favorite is the one we opened with this morning, My Country, Tis of Thee. I've always loved that hymn, maybe because I grew up singing it so often. I have great memories of that. But the second stanza goes like this. My native country, the land of the noble free, thy name I love. Isn't that a beautiful phrase, land of the noble free? You know, the definition of noble is to embody the highest principles of morality, the highest of ideals. And friends, I think that when we are at our best as Americans, that's who we are. We are noble. This is the land of the noble free. 
Not a nation of Franks, but a nation of servants. A people who understand that true greatness is not about status. It's not about self-importance. It's not about hanging around with important people. But instead, it is evidenced by sacrificial love and by a servant's heart. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks for you sent us Jesus Christ, who is the greatest servant of all. And Lord, we pray that we might follow in his holy footsteps and seek first to serve rather than be served, to understand that the one who wants to be first must be last. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us in worship today. I'm Senior Pastor Holly Gotelli. Alamo Heights United Methodist Church is a Christian community of love, hope, and belonging for all. To connect with us, visit ahumc.org or find us on social media.